500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the man the ghost who walks enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds you g'day everyone for those who came in late, you're listening to Expand, the Phantom Podcast. My name's Dan Fraser, and this is just about the last you're going to hear from me, actually, in this introduction, because today we have a very special podcast for you, and that is the, a recording of the Kid Phantom panel as it appeared at the Brisbane Oz Comic Con on September the 23rd of this year, 2017. Um, the three voices, four voices, I should say, uh, that you're about to hear, the, the three main voices, are going to be the Kid Phantom team, obviously, of uh, Dr. Paul Mason and Andrew Constant, uh, the illustrator and the author of Kid Phantom, who we have heard from before on the podcast, episode 62, I'm going to say. Um, they appeared on the podcast, and, and if you've listened to that one, you're going to be reasonably familiar with some of what pops up in the panel here but don't uh, don't stop and, and pause or, or uh, put this one away just yet because there's a lot more in it than um than we heard on that night uh partially or, or primarily because the team were also joined by the editor of kid fandom and the co-owner of fruit publications in glenn ford and glenn um, was very, very interesting on the day and some of the things that he had to say. When I say a fourth voice, you're also going to hear from the delightful Amanda Backey, who leads the panel and is going to be the first voice that you hear when we go to the recording of the uh, of the podcast. Um, she's the one asking all of the questions for the uh, for the start of it and uh, and wraps up at the end. And um, you'll hear from some from some Joe Public, Joe Schmoes in the middle, including, I'm quite proud to say, the uh, second or third question, which comes from, from my eight-year-old boy, which uh, I was pretty pleased that uh, he was confident enough to put his hand up and, and take the microphone. But anyway, uh, look, there's a lot of stuff that you're going to get out of this and some, um, some revelations that are going to go public for the first time in this podcast, which is a, a bit of a bit exciting and um, a bit of a, a coup for Chronicle Chamber, I'm not going to lie to you there, um, did have complete commission, permission from um, Glenn and Paul and Andrew and uh, Oz Comic Con to, to release this, so there's um, no no problems there, but gee, some of the, the revelations in this are very, very exciting. I'll uh, let you listen let you listen to the conversation and be excited by some of the things that unfold. But um, look, a couple of spoilers. The thing that my son and I were most excited about is the prospect of a Kid Phantom animated short film. It's something that we're looking forward to seeing before the end of the year. And also a couple of little, uh, couple of little uh, tidbits from Glenn about new projects from Fru that are coming out. New comics, new comic collections that are going to come out from through sooner rather than later by the sounds of things and some some things that we kind of know about and a couple of things that you wouldn't have any clue that are coming and uh, might come as a bit of a surprise so uh, really looking forward to those we'll be very interested to see what people have to say about some of this new stuff that's coming out from through uh, from the phantom about the phantom uh, all very soon 
Look, I'm not going to add a conclusion at the end of this because the panel sort of wraps itself up at the end of the of the recording. And so from me uh, to you, happy phantoming, everybody. All right, can I please ask you to briefly introduce yourselves and tell us about your involvement with Kid Phantom? Uh, I'm the, uh, uh, one of the owners of the, uh, the company that publishes the Kid Phantom through publications. Um, and I guess it's my job just to, to look at it and it's all done and make sure that no one's offended by any other thing. Get it out there and print it. These two guys are doing a hard work. Um, over to Paul, the artist. Jeez, you sold yourself super short there. You've had a long history of the Phantom in Australia. How long, how, when did you first start drawing the Phantom uh, for free publication? 1988, I think was the first one. Yeah, 1988. Were you born then? Jesus, yes, I was. I'm extremely old. I was five. Okay. <laughs> so I was alive, yes. Were you reading comics? I was, I was. I probably was familiar with the Phantom in the strip. Okay. And then it was a few years before I discovered the Phantom in comic comics. comics. Yeah. yeah. Probably uh, read some of the comics that had my covers back then. Yes, so, yeah. yes, yeah. I've probably still got a couple. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Uh, what was your question? Introducing ourselves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my name is Paul. I illustrate the Kid Phantom series, and I also teach at uh, Griffith Film School, uh, just up the road from here, as part of the uh, animation uh, bachelor, as well as uh, teaching comics next semester. So, me. Hi, I'm Andrew Constance. I'm a comic book writer, I think. Uh, I've been making comic books now or writing for about eight, nine years. Uh, I currently work for the Stop Comics doing Grant Owned. Um, I work for Through doing Kid Fan- Phantom and some other work as well. It's been my favourite writing experience so far. Um, I also do some work for DC Comics as well. Um, I'm relaunching The Demon this year with a six-part mini-series called Hell is Earth, and I have some other work coming out really soon as well. And that's just the boring, like, so I, not as exciting, I'm sorry, I'm very fun. Okay, cool. While we have Glenn here, maybe you can tell us how Kid Phantom came about even before Paul and Andrew became involved. Um, yeah, look, I, I ask this a lot. There's a, there's a famous story, a famous phantom story that was um, originally a uh, daily newspaper strip back in 1953, I think it is, uh, where uh, we see a young phantom, our current phantom, the 21st in line, being sent off to school by his parents. And, and the family tradition is that the... Um, the phantom to be is to be sent to the school um, where his mother, or back to the country where his mother was educated. So he sent back to, not sent back, he sent to New York, which is where his mother grew up. And um, this is at the age of, well, excuse me, it's 10, but uh, in the book it's 12. So we'll assume it's 12. He sent back to New York to, um, to get an education. And he starts in um, a, uh, a high school there, and then all of a sudden jumps to his senior year in college. And so from the ages of 12 to 16, there's a big gap. There's, there's basically uh, a panel for each of those ages, and in between, 
uh, there's a big question mark as to what actually happens in those four years. So it um, just became a, a question. Um, is it something that's worth exploring? And um, since we really do need to address a younger market and try and get some new readers in, um, is this something that could be directed at, um, at younger readers? And that's that's why um, that's why it happened. It all made sense. Uh, I was shown um, some of Paul's artwork by a mutual friend, uh, Chris Akira, uh, a writer friend of ours. And um, when I saw it, I um, knew that his style would be perfect uh, for the adventures of a young fandom, for a young reader, because they had such a, a young, fresh, energetic style to it. And uh, it all began from there. How have you been working with these two? Have you been enjoying it? Or? Quite remotely. Um, uh, look, we, we probably um, get to see each other once every two or three months. I, I see Andrew a bit more regularly because he's um, a Sydney guy as well. Per my contract. Yeah. Um, but it's all done with phone calls and email. It's, it all, um, it's all pretty seamless. What, what, um, what they come back with is um, it needs very little um, supervision. They, they both know exactly what they're doing and I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to get it all together and get it out there. This is a question and answer panel, so if you do have any questions, um, please let me know and I'll come over with the microphone. Um, but maybe you could tell us, oh, who has actually read issue one or two of Kid Phantom? Just in the audience. Alright, well, there's a few here who don't know about the plot. Could you tell us what he's up to at the moment? Oh, I'm the writer, I have to say this. Okay. So, Kid Walker, aka Kid Phantom, um, has just decided, his parents have just decided he has to go to America to complete his education, basically. Uh, because every family completes their education in their mother's country of origin. So, he's gone with Garan, who's his best mate, who's the son of the king of the tribe, which is uh, in where the family lives. Um, originally, Garan may or may not have more of a secondary role in the comic books. Um, he hung around to get Kit acquainted in the States and then he yeah. leaves. Yeah, no, I, I just mean generally I like the of kids in charge. It's like an advisory guy. Yeah. In, in our work, oh, they're, in, in our work, they're very much equals. Um, they have a really strong friendship and um, Gerard does provide a lot of advice and also a lot of Amazing, thank you. Um, a lot of, uh, I'm just psyched about getting that. Um, a lot of advice. Also, just there's a lot of, lot of friction as well because they have a very fraternal relationship. So they've just, in the issue which we're up to now, um, they've just left to go to the States. Kid was a bit nervous about, about it, but the Phantom at the time was very smart and found a way to show him that he'll always have friends with him no matter what. Um, he had a bit of a rough start on the ship as well because um, he got to see his first taste of overt racism against Garan and they found nice, and it's handled very lightly as well, they found lightweight and they found a way around, around nothing, that. Nothing like a sidekick to the throat which sort out of the racism. Sorry, continue. You need, you, can someone please get this man some protein? <laughs> he said I handled it in a very nice way of kicking the racist in the throat. We didn't have to. There's also he has his first uh, um, his first encounter as well with uh, how 
piggish Western eagle can actually be. Um, he's had other encounters, but this is his first encounter within civil society, though. Um, they've grown up in the jungle all yeah. their lives, so it's yeah. the first time they've met people and dealt exactly. with shoes and utensils. Shoes and, and, well, no, they've dealt with utensils before, but, but they prefer to eat with their hands. Actually, so. yeah, um, and then from that, we have a large journey to the States where we use it as a chance to watch the way which Duran and Kit develop their friendship because once we get to the States we're more about how Kit develops but we've used this as an opportunity for the next three or four issues there to take into interesting locales um, and also show what the friendship between that both Kit and Duran are independent uh, people but work really well as a team and but that will still have friction in it. I like the fact that you you took the time to expand on the on the, the whole trip in general because in the comics it was very much a case of a couple of little adventures on the boat itself and then the next thing you know they're in America already. I, I think I think that was a really and this is something which we discussed with Glenn as well. Um, it was a really strong idea to let them have that time on the trip to develop as well because it's a chance for childhood adventure. Like, can you imagine as a child if I was to, you know, go around the world as a, just by yourself and seeing all these great locales, as opposed to, oh, we're just in New York and we've just missed all that great action. It's, and we developed some new uh, villains for the family as well, which we're very excited about. Um, yeah, it's just given us an opportunity there just to flesh out, I would say flesh out the world of the fandom. <laughs> Makes sense. The, the um, I mean, this is supposed to be set in the sixties, late fifties, early sixties, I guess. And they're on a luxury liner, and a luxury liner from from the um, east coast of Africa to New York is going to be stopping off um, yeah. a few interesting places on the way. So, makes sense to take advantage of that. And we tried to make sure the places we stop as well. This is, and Glenn was one who brought this up. Um, uh, places which are naturally shot, stop on the route to um, his final destination, which is New York. So, it's, so it's whilst it won't matter to the reader so so much, it all makes a certain amount of lo- uh, logic as well. Questions? No? Okay. Oh. Gentlemen with the excellent ponytail, extremely large hand. That was like a power reach. <laughs> Are we likely to see a Phantom movie in the near future at all that doesn't involve Billy Zane? Because that was just god-awful. Um, we, we... Someone, a, a production company has just taken out an option on, on, a, on a Phantom movie, and that's as far as it's gone. Um, it's, it's created a... Um, uh, or a little bit of a... Um, what would you say? Uh, there's a guy who writes the newspaper strips called Tony DePaul. Um, he created a couple of characters for those daily strips and the people, who, the company that have just taken out the option in this movie wanted to use those characters and uh, quite rightfully Tony put his hand out and wanted um, uh, some kind of um, commiseration for the use of those characters and King Features um, sucked him on the wrist and said no you can't do that, they're ours and there's been a bit of legal chewing and throwing. Um, but from my understanding, they've settled. Um, uh, Tony's been given an amount of money, and in theory, the movie can now proceed with these characters. So that's, that's, 
that's all we know. It's now, now back over to the, the, the people who um, have taken out the option as to what they want to do. Well, I don't think Billy Zane will be coming back. He was um, he was contracted to do three movies when he uh, did the first one, but I think I think they've both Found gets old. Oh, there's also a smaller film as well. The, 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 the TV pilot. Oh, we don't talk. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I guess it's finished next week. Yeah. And there's a screening tonight. November, October? Tell, tell them what it is. Okay. Um, I should speak into the mic. Uh, the part of my job is working at the film school, and at the beginning of the third year of the Bachelor of Animation course, the students come up with their own short film projects and we work in groups and clusters and that sort of thing and there was an opening to get another project up and running so through through and through Griffith Film School we managed to pitch a short Kid Phantom film so that's something that's been in development since yeah, we early oh, towards the end of uh, the first trimester of the year. So you we... and I wrote the script. Correct. Yeah. Uh, that was what's the day that we did the podcast? May. We wrote the script in May. We wrote the script in May. You were drawing next to me, and I was and I was on the key, keyboard. And we, and we, yeah, we just tossed some ideas around, and then yeah. you hammered out a really nice, short, well, yeah. punchy two and a half minute film. Yeah, but the fun because you're next to me, you can give me. Yep, yep, no, that's not how you do it. But let me te- teach about an- animated films here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, cool. And so, you know, we wrote that in like, you know, yeah. a few hours. Yeah, and then um, we had some to... kids uh, pump out some pre production yeah. work, which uh, for, yeah. um, uh, approved. And, Glenn uh, gave us some great notes about what large cats need to be in the. Well, it was the, the original note that I gave you, and you're like, no, 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 it's all good. <laughs> just as a sidebar in the story in the original issue issue one there's a leopard in animation can you imagine having to animate a leopard you've got to draw 24 frames per second so there's 24 drawings of a spotted animal and have that move so I'm like maybe we make it a, a panther right because it's black yeah. and he goes no no leopards are cool so then we do the pre-production and I show Glenn and Glenn's like, you should make that a panther. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Jesus. I thought, I thought we had decided on the bad panther. You just been polite. Okay. Right, <laughs> this is the lessons you learn when you decide to dip into animation. It's what they call the Orco Theorem. Do you remember Master Universe growing up as a character called or- Orco? The reason he was named Orco was because it was easy to reverse. For di- for oh, because he had an O shape yeah, on yeah. it. Right, yeah, right, right. And it's the Orco so, The same reason the, in the Phantom in Defenders of the Earth didn't have stripes on his costumes. Uh-huh. Well, we put, we've got stripes on his pants. We're the first animated really? version of it. Yeah, he's got stripes. Oh, so you just... You don't, you don't know. There's one guy in charge of stripes going... <laughs> we simplified it. Anyway, that, that should be at uh, end of the year. So there's a little tip. Cool. Any further questions? I've got one for Paul. Young fella, Angus. Go for it, mate. What, what's your favourite thing about making kid fans in the Ah. Do you want to go first? 
Yeah, because I'll give the silly answer, you get the good answer. <laughs> um, I, I, well, look, there's two favourite things, if that's okay, because I'm not going to, I'm just going to walk your quick question, I apologise. Um, one, I get to write such a fun character with these, these guys, because it really, honestly, like I've written a lot of comics now, this is the most fun I've had doing the work. Um, but that, and that's because the character itself is so much fun. But also, it's the fact that, you know, and this is going to sound a bit sentimental, the fact that young people like you actually really enjoy it, because we had that chat before, that it does, young people really enjoy the book, and it does touch them as well. And I think that's the thing, like you write in the back, you write by yourself in a room, you don't know what's going on, so when people as kind as you go, go, I like the book, it's like, okay, this is really good, because the most important thing is that people like Gus and other young people as well really enjoy reading it, basically. So thank you. Yeah, uh, there's not much there that I can add. I, I grew up reading The Phantom, it's one of the first comics that I ever read as a kid, and... I still remember, you know, doodling him on pencils, cases and, and books growing up. And, you know, it always bothered me that as I got older, it was one of those things that kind of stayed behind. And you'd have people going, oh, my father read, reads that, or my grandfather or my, my mother reads the, the, the Phantom. But it felt like, you know, you guys as the audience weren't reading it. Um, so now there's an opportunity for young kids and I've seen videos, people send videos of their kids getting the books and I think I just, I have to show you this video, a young kid off YouTube with, uh, had, had his parents film him while he was reading the comic and he was reading it out loud. Um, about that uh, <laughs> but yeah, so um, that, that, that's fun, it's to, to sit there and be able to draw and, and, and draw something that seems to resonate with people. I know very early on I was very concerned with the fact that it didn't look like your classic phantom uh, and I have a drawing style that's it, it is what it is it's deadline style it's it's a mixture of my influences it's 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 not your traditional comic book style of drawing but uh, you know kids seem to like it I disagree with that insofar as I, I think it's a very traditional style in well, the fact it's very it's what comic books used to be like it's very energetic it's very visceral the page is always alive it's not static in the way lots of comic book actors still understand it's a sense of movement I, I appreciate that I, I mean I, I can't read some of the, the modern stuff where it looks okay. like Google SketchUp you know what I mean and it's, it looks like trace photos and stuff and, it, and it's beautiful like stuff it looks like trace photos well you know what I mean like I I, I can't do it I can probably sit there and do it, but I mentally and I can't. I don't have the fortitude to sit there and want to draw every window on a building. You know what I mean? I like I like the illustrative Kirby and Steve Ditko and Harvey Kurtzman and Will Eisner. You know, and I know it's old school, but you can add some new school to it. You know? But you get completely off topic. You still get stuff like that today, like Eduardo Rizzo and um, yes. and RM Weir as well, and guys like that who. Take a realistic style that had that visceral on their hands like you do. Yeah, and they make me want to, you know, jump off a building. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful stuff. So, yeah, that's the fun I have, and definitely working with these guys is a, is a dream. So. Yeah, look, what they said. Um, you know, lovely to work with them and all of that, but um, uh, one of the things that has happened with comics. Uh, 
over the past 10, 15 years, I guess, is that they've lost that sense of fun. They've become a big business, and, and, and you know, that's, I guess, dictated by the fact that there's million-dollar movies made of the characters, which then spins off into action figures and, and T-shirts and lunchboxes. And, um, when I was a kid, reading comics was just such a great experience to you, you, you go out and find them and take them home and sit down and read them, and, and, and you just forget about everything else um, that's happening around you while you're reading the comic. It was just such good fun, part of growing up, and that's what we're trying to reintroduce with, with Kid Phantom. And, you know, to a, to a degree it's working, which, which is what makes me happy, and what makes me think that this is going to last a while. I've got a question for you. Oh, actually, oh, we got... There we go, we're on. Who is first? There we are. Oh, hold on to that one there. Hi, um, my name is Hag. Um, I have a lot of questions, so I'll just put it all into one question, one question that you can easily answer. Is I want to know is, how did you two actually meet together, and how did you come to... How, what, was like, what was it like um, working together, and how did... And, and, um, Sorry, I'm That's okay. Um, ba- and, basically, how we end up working together and what's it like? Because um, it was, it was. Well, well, well. I swipe left. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I also, um, I remember the last bit is, um, how did you actually come across to get the rights to the Phantom comic character? Uh, well, it's, that's it's, an easy one because Fruz had yeah. the rights to the Phantom since 1948, so yeah, yeah, publishing it 70th birthday next year. Yeah. So. Um, how we met? We've been doing comic books. We've been on the comic book scene for years. Yeah. Um, I've known Paul now for what six years, seven. About that. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd always like avoid each other because of antipathy and artistic. <laughs> no, yeah. no. He's actually Paul and I always seem to gravitate towards each other. We're the two tallest guys in the room, yeah. so he's the only one I can make eye contact with. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've always admired Paul's work, and I think he has... That's a lie. <laughs> First, <laughs> we're going to do this. First time we met, like, yeah. San no, Diego no, 2011, no, no. and I just met him. Uh, he just brought out his first book, so he was quite tense. Tense was not the word. And I met him with a group with like you oh, know, Nicholas no, Garber no, there no, and Chris Aguera. No, no. And I showed him a book and he's just sort of flicking and he's like, yeah, yeah, work on your anatomy. Colour's a bit off. <laughs> Perspective, it's a bit dodgy. I yeah, said great. That, Good luck, I, kid. I saw it with you the next day and I was much better. Okay, my book had just arrived a day late. The publisher has like a document entry through there. They're covering in my face. I oh, know, no, he always does this excuse straight after it. And Basically, it was a day, jerk. The next day, and, it was just uh, like, I came, I went up to you and went, hey, look, I'm sorry about that. I was really, I, I liked the book. I said that to you. He's a writer, he's very good at imagination and creating stories <laughs> and things. So just indulge him and nod and just, we can move on. Despite my innate bastardry, we've actually developed a good friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, Paul's. The, it's, it was sitting around in a bar afterwards, just yeah. talking Jack Kirby stories. Kirby stories, yeah. Well, Jack Kirby war stories specifically, they're great. I, but I've seen like lots of artists develop over, over the years, like Browse and Ars, but, but it's been amazing to watch Paul's, the way Paul's art's developed as well, because you've actually had one of the highest bell curves. Like, you've always been a good artist, and then when you found the right pro- 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 project, like all of us, when you find the right pro- project, you just go boom. 
I appreciate that. And it's been, and I you're try. Out. It's, it is what it is. Your art has, like, has been amazing for a long, long time now. And I'm looking forward to when the check does arrive in the mail. Yeah, 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 I'm waiting. You know you can direct deposit. Anyway. <laughs> Any other questions? We have man in white shirt followed by man in blue shirt. Cool. Hi, thank you. Um, I've been collecting comics for about 40 years, and including uh, Marvel, DC, and yeah. Phantom, and I've enjoyed them all. Phantom's the only one I collect now. Um, I still enjoy reading it. Good man. Yeah, yeah. Good um, one. Just one criticism I have. The reason I stopped collecting the others is when they started going into colour, and then the advertisements started coming in, right. and they right. went from... 100 pages for 99 cents to yeah, yeah. 10 pages for 7.95. Yes. They're full of ads. And now I notice that the Phantom, the original Phantom, a couple of them have been in colour. And as an old uh, fan, I wasn't a fan of the colour. So I'm just wondering why you're doing that and whether you're proceeding with colour and what well, the feedback on colour has been. To, to, to quote the Bard, um, you know, the times are changing. Um, for us to, to, to keep in the marketplace, um, like it or not, we're in competition with um, with American comics. For us to have some kind of presence on, on, a, on a, a stand in a news agent, um, we're placed next to all the Marvel and all the DC, and they're all in colour. Now, I'm not saying that we should be all in colour too. Uh, what We have a policy. What we're doing is, um, whenever it's warranted, um, we try to throw in a colour story now and then. Now, we haven't ignored our, um, our roots. We, we have a, a, a history of um, glorious mono-colour, monotone. Um, and certainly there, there's a, a faction of our readership that um, doesn't want that to change. And so we're not, we're not ignoring them. You'll still see most of the comics printed in black and white, but every now and then there'll be some colours thrown in, usually a special issue or an annual. Yeah, I was um, just reading the replica, latest replica issue last night. It's all black and white. Oh, the replica stuff's great. You, I was lucky enough to get a hand the replica And also the, um, the, the Giant Size Phantom is another good example. I don't know if yeah, you've yeah. seen those at all. Uh, they reprint all the old, the other crew uh, characters from the 50s and 60s along with the Phantom story. And um, you'll find that most of those will be in black and white because that's how they originally were. But, but bear in mind, if, if we... And this is no, no disrespect to you at all. Uh, and this isn't directed at you, but we have a... As I said, a, a, a very strong portion of our readership uh, doesn't want things to change. If we're to do that, we won't. We won't survive. Um, yeah. it's, it's the 21st century. You know, we, we have to. Uh, we have to keep up, and we have to keep maintaining presence on the, on the newsstand. And like it or not, that's where most of our sales are made. We, we don't. I but won't say we don't have a great relationship with Gordon and Koch. They're the people, they're the company that distribute to all the news agencies. But um, they're a, a monopoly. There's only one company that does it, and we're to get the comic out onto the news things. That's the company we have to deal with. Um, and if we don't compete with everything else that they're distributing, uh, we, we, we just won't get out there. We, we, we can't make enough by selling. Uh, to comic shops and to subscribers, it needs to be on the bookstand for us to survive. So it, it's really just um, it's just keeping up with the times. It's all it is. But it hasn't it hasn't changed the fact that um, 
most of what you're going to see will be in black and white. The only time we, we do colour, as I was saying, in, in special issues and, and, and annuals, um, is usually when the original story may have appeared in colour. Um, and that happens quite often with uh, a lot Sunday of Sunday strips are all uh, in colour since yeah, the 40s. original Sunday yeah. strips were, were, were printed in colour in American newspapers. Um, and so you'll see some of that coming up. We'll, we'll try and try and use the same uh, colour separations that the original Sunday strips did. But, but does that answer the, the question? Yeah. Thanks. Good. Uh, Glenn mentioned that the uh, Kid Phantom stories are filling in a... a I guess a, a missing time in the yeah. 21st century, 21st yeah. Phantom, sorry, yeah, history. Space, yeah. Was it at all tempting to make the Kid Phantom about the 22nd, 22nd Phantom? Or oh, that's... There's um, a can of worms. Look, that's... 21st Phantom is still, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, so <laughs> tell me straight away. Right now. Um, 21st Phantom is still the foremost Phantom in its mind, isn't it? So, yes. By moving beyond that phantom right now, I think we're moving beyond what what is current. And I think it's important to remain in the contemporary space. So it's easier. It's like doing a young Clark story versus doing the sequel, doing the success of the Sue Superman. Like, Superman right now is Clark, so it's best to tell the stories about young Clark. Right now, the phantom is the 21st phantom. So let's do the younger stories about that phantom as well. There is an interesting, actually, the I don't know if you're familiar with Chronicle Chamber, the Phantom podcast. If you if you go have a look, they've done a couple of episodes that discuss that very topic because Sweden seemed to be moving in that direction, and which is what's being published by Fru at the moment. They're doing the Empty Throat issue. Yeah, you did. Yeah, part one and two. There's a three-part of it just come out in Sweden. Uh, first two parts of which were just printed with um, with Fru, which shows the the 21st Phantom gone missing somewhere, and the kids, the twins, Kit and Eloise, step up to the to the plate. Both get dressed up as a Phantom uh, and take over the, uh, the, the assume the mantle. Um, the interesting thing is that um, this, the Egmont, the Swedish company that that, that published it, um, have left it open-ended so that. Um, they're going to gauge the reaction from reader response to see whether the Phantom will come back or whether the, the kids will continue. So, you know, they're aware of it. And then certainly the whole discrepancy about how can you be the same Phantom for the last 70 years is, is one which is, uh, I mean, it's, it's a, 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 a paradox that exists in comics. And, and when, when comic writers talk about this paradox, they, they talk about something called comic book time, where um, two consecutive episodes may not be a month apart, as, as they are when they're published, but could be a, an hour or a day apart, so time kind of dilates. Um, but it gets to the point where you know, you might read a Phantom comic one issue where he's sitting there on his two-way radio communicating with, with um, someone on the other side of the world, and in the next issue he's on a mobile phone. It doesn't allow for those anachronisms. It's like Marvel and DC as well. I mean, it, The Punish is an example of a character that was originally born out of the Vietnam War and now in modern iterations it's Afghanistan or Iraq. You know, there's always those little updates and tweaks. And or Blacktown. What's that? Or Blacktown. Yeah, yeah. You ever been to Blacktown? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, Sydney reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been. I've made it out. Yes. 
Hi again. Um, my my other question, I think I didn't, I forgot to answer, was um, I wanted to know is is there going to be a third issue of the new Kid Phantom that's going to be coming out this year? That's the aim. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We've got the third written, we've got the fourth written, I've got it planned up until... I've written, uh, you've got third, fourth, and fifth issue written already. Yeah, I think, I think, I'm not sure about the fifth, I know about the fifth. Yeah, basically Paul needs to find a way where he doesn't have to um, sleep for two hours a night. We are going to claim cloning, but we know the claim would be subpar, so... <laughs> Are you thinking of releasing all the Kid Phantoms in a kind of collection book? Yeah, it's been written in uh, four story arcs, I believe. I, I'm doing it, yes, whatever the editor says. That's yeah. exactly uh, when, when the fourth issue is out, we'll collect them all into a, um, a, a single trade paperback, uh, which we hope to get into bookstores and, and, and uh, attract a few more younger readers. It'll have. Um, It'll have some uh, some of the conceptual stuff, some of the original drawings, and some some turnarounds of the characters, and some of the original designs, just to just to round it out. But yeah, we have to have that out early next year, sometime. I'd say. Yes, but I agree with that. <laughs> uh, yeah. We've heard Paul's influences, some of the legends of the uh, of the industry. Uh, Glenn, what, what, who have been your influences? Uh, uh, would you call, uh, call back on some of the early, earlier Phantom artists, or some of the uh, some of the legends that Paul talked about as well? So many. I mean, look, artistically, um, I guess everyone has Cy Barry up there as the number one Phantom artist. I'm a big Don Newton fan. I love Don Newton stuff, and, and certainly as far as capturing the the essence of the character goes, I think Graham Nolan's right up there. Um, in, the, in the broader comic world, um, you always go back to people like Jack Kirby and Will Eisner, and also a big Alex Toth fan. If you've heard about Alex Toth, oh, oh, yeah, boy, could he tell a story. Um, but anyway, there's, um, there's a lot of them. Um, but it's all about, um, and, and it doesn't matter about black and white or colour. That these guys can work either way. But it's all about telling the story. It's all about getting the reader's eye from the top left-hand corner of the page down to the bottom right as. as effortlessly as possible and, and telling a good story at, at the same time. And that, that's where Alex Toth was the master. So. Questions? Um, Glenn, can you tell us a little bit about the other projects that uh, the Phantom team are working on at the moment? I can't but then I'd have to kill you all. Um, <laughs> we've got... Um, look, there's a lot of things happening. Um, some of which I can't really say because I haven't been approved yet, but we've got this um, another series called Defender by Gaslight, which is set in uh, Victorian London. And one of the good things about the, the, the Phantom as a character is that he's got a, a 400-year history. So if a creative team comes along and says, oh, I'd really like to, to, um, to put the, the, the Phantom in a, um, uh, a gothic horror um, situation, um, certainly there was a phantom that existed back in 1860, 1870 um, and because he travelled the world we can certainly place him in London around that time so we've got a, a, a series which um, 
draws upon a lot of the, 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 the gothic horror uh, literary characters of the time, like um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and the Invisible Man and um, Dorian Gray. And uh, we've started a series of eight-page short stories, mainly to fill in the gap uh, because we reprint a lot of stories from Sweden, that, that, that this, Swedes have recently cut their stories from 32 pages down to 22 pages. So we've had eight pages to to, um, to fill up, eight pages plus a couple of letters pages. So we've commissioned a couple of guys, a couple of Sydney um, uh, creators, uh, Chris Akira is a writer, Joseph Portis is the artist, to come up with a, an ongoing Phantom by Gaslight series. Again, they'll be collected into a trade paperback um, sometime next year. Uh, we're looking at other um, similar things where we place the Phantom in, in different parts of the world in different time periods. Uh, we're looking at a, uh, a Phantom of the Wild West. Um, there's been a little bit of resurgence recently in, in uh, Western comics, so um, we're going to put him in the Wild West and uh, giving some adventures there. We're looking at um, getting the Phantom into a, um, a few different theatres of war, whether it be World War One, World War Two, or the Korean War. Um, and again, this will probably all be earlier Phantoms, uh, you know, the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th in, in the line. Um, so there's a few different things like that where we're taking the character and, and I guess, retro-conning him into a, a, a different period to see if we can create a bit of interest. Um, there's lots of other things coming up. We we are doing some um, uh, some collections. Uh, there's a, a series being printed, um, has been in the comics now for, oh, I think the last year and a half, which is a, a, another eight-page backup story from the Swedes called The Heart of Darkness. It's a very long series. I think it goes for about 30 or 40 episodes, at, at which the, at the end there's a 30-page there's a um, supplement, I guess, it's going to take years to do, so we've decided that, that we're too impatient for that. We're going to collect all of those into a trade paperback and get it out into bookstores. Um, it's important for us to get into bookstores because what I was saying before about our reliance upon um, the news agencies. We, we, we we're trying to trying to expand the market and, and, and get the character out into places that, um, that he hasn't been seen in. Uh, and certainly bookstores may attract some, some new customers, but also may bring back some of, some of the old ones as well, or will get parents to, to want to pick something up and pass it down to their kids. Um, so we'll be doing collections. We've got um, our first one's coming out around Christmas, and that'll be a, like a primer, which, we, which is going to be called for those who came in late. And it will feature all, all of the famous stories, the, the, the story of the first Phantom, the story of his first meeting with Diana, um, how he first got Hero the Horse, how he first got the Devil, uh, his um, wolf, um, the Skull Cave, uh, the Skull Ring, the Goodmark Ring, all clicked into one volume, so it's like a, an education on all things Phantom, and that should be out uh, by Christmas, and there'll be a few others to follow. Um, that's about all I can say, I guess. Who's next? Thanks. Um, first up, Glenn, thanks for all the work that you're doing through. Uh, it's a really nice resurgence that we're seeing at the moment. And I guess part of that is what you were just talking about, where um, through is changing their business model in a way from doing lots of reprints of newspaper stories and Scandinavian stories, and now we're seeing you, you know, 
Kid Phantom is an example, kind of, I guess, like uh, Australian created stories. Is that a, how exciting is that for you? What's the challenge like there? And do you feel like that's changing the way that Fru is being regarded in the Australian comics industry at all? Yeah, look, I, I, I hope so. I, I, th- I think it is. It, it, um, to me, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this before, when, when I first came into the company, the, the Phantom was, was your, your grandfather's hero, which was the expression that I, I heard from a few places. And, and I think we're starting to change that. And then certainly by using uh, uh, Australian talent, Australian creators, it, um, it puts us on the map. It, uh, it, there is some amazing talent in this country, as, as we're all aware. And children see next to me right here, and you'll see a lot of them out there as well. And, um, and, and that's it's talent which um, would be great to get out there uh, for the rest of the world to see. And um, I remember when I was um, when I was young and, and, and uh, I'd just become an artist, you know, I wanted to draw comics and, and do it professionally. Um, back then, the only game in town was was, was fruit. If you wanted to, to draw comics and, and, and get paid for it, fruit was pretty much the only uh, the only people doing it. There were other people doing comics, but they were um, usually create our own uh, self-published independent comics. Um, and so, fruit always had that, that reputation of, of being um, being the Australian uh, comic publisher. But, but it was a pretty close shot, and certainly to get in there, I mean, I, I know it took me months just, just to get my first cover done, um, because um, Jim ran a, a pretty tight shot, and, and he, had a, um, he had a formula that, that, he, that he stuck to, and it was, it, was quite, it was quite simple. It was just um, grab the American newspapers, put them all into a single story, and, and, and publish the thing, and, and people will buy it. And the cover had nothing to do with what was going on inside. It was just a generic cover, and it just worked for years and years and years. But but um, it wasn't growing the it wasn't growing the market. It wasn't wasn't growing the readership, and, and certainly people's tastes, uh, especially with comics, since they've become um, something which which are no longer frowned upon. Um, people's tastes mature and, 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 and change, and, and what you or I would give them once upon a time, you can't do that anymore. You need to you need to. Keep up, and so that, that became prime directive, I guess, when when, when we we took over. Um, and it hasn't. Uh, I mean, it, it has resulted in a in a, um, a slight increase in sales, but, but we, we, we we can't stop now. We've got, we've got to you know, keep on pressing on. And at the same time, we can't ignore the core readership, the people who want to um, want to keep on reading the Phantom as it was when they grew up. But we we, we can't just keep on repeating because that that, that doesn't doesn't create a business either. We have to come up with new stuff and it's much easier to come up with, with new material using some of this amazing local talent that we have. That's about it. Thanks. Uh, DC and Marvel have done crossover series which have been quite interesting where they interact their heroes. Is there any oh, between chance... The, between the two companies? Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. there any chance of the Phantom teaming oh, up with others? King Features, who, who own the character, as I'm sure you're aware, um, aren't good with that sort of thing. Um, there's been... I'll tell you a story. Um, I won't make it too long. Graham Nolan, who I mentioned before, who used to draw the Daily Strip, um, I met him at a San Diego convention years and years ago, and, and lovely, lovely man, and um, he was the Batman artist at the time, 
he created a villain called Bane, um, co-created with, with the writer. And Bane was used in one of the Batman movies briefly. And, and from that appearance, he was able to buy a house. You know, so he he, um, he knows how it works. And he was a big Phantom fan, as it turned out. This is way before he started drawing the strip. And uh, he said, look, I would love to do a Batman meets Phantom series. So I thought, fantastic. You know, here's the people at King Features. Get your guys at DC to talk to them. And the guy at DC, uh, the editor there, uh, knew the Phantom. was a bit of a fan himself, understood the character. He said, this is a great idea. It won't sell means in America, but it will sell well throughout the rest of the world where the Phantom is popular. And they then got their lawyers to look at it and said, yes, this can be done in the same way that the, the DC Marvel crossovers were done. They took it to King Features and King Features just said, not interested. The Phantom doesn't interact with anyone else. Is and so, you know, opportunity lost, but that's, that's, that's their attitude. They don't want um, they don't their characters sullied by other companies' characters, which is a shame because there's been some... Um, there was a move not so long ago to have um, uh, a Green Hornet crossover with the Phantom, which would have been interesting, set in the, in the, in the, uh, the 40s. Um, I think Moonstone did it with Captain Action. I think they had a, a crossover with... I don't know if you remember Captain Action. It was a toy from the 60s which spun up into some comics. Um, and they got into all sorts of trouble for that. They, they um, King Features didn't like that at all. So, yeah, the short, short answer is... No, long answer is... Short answer? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The short, short answer. answer. The short... I, my wife does the same thing. It's called the short answer. Yeah. Yeah, but look, you know, we, we, we keep pushing. Um, I mean, oh, at the end of the day, uh, if, if they can be convinced, can be convinced that... that um, the sales were warranted, they'd come to the party, I'm sure, because that's, that's, that's how they're driven, you know, by, by what they get. Any questions? Last question. Mm-hmm. So my quick question is, uh, with Kid Phantom, roughly how long do you think you're going to be going with this series? Because, like, the idea is he is a young kid growing up. Forever. Yeah, forever. Uh, how old am I? When, uh, Paul and I discussed this a little while ago, and I was drunk, and Paul was being amazed at the film. So, um, we're not giving this up. We're going to keep going as long as we can. Oh, I haven't told you. <laughs> hey, I have to laugh because we want to say something. Yeah, it'll be one of those situations where I stop getting phone calls. Uh, and then we'll just go around and. No, look, we, we, we haven't. We had the best time we've had for anything with our yes, that's that's the phrase I was gonna say at the all ages. Um, we're actually having a really good time. Uh, Glenn's a great Glenn's got a great vision for it, we're having a great time ex- executing the stories. We we don't need to stop. We actually had this discussion uh, a few minutes ago. Um, uh, the, the the way the characters portrayed right now is that he's he's kind of um, He's, he's, he's corky and, and awkward um, and Paul made the comment not so long ago that yes but he's an ugly duckling and, and, and over the years we'll see him blossom and develop and grow into the, the hero that, that we all know uh, he, he'll get bigger, he'll get stronger, he'll get smarter and he'll get better looking and all of that but that process is going to take years obviously 
that was a, a thing that people used to bring up when they first saw it, going, oh, he's ugly, and uh, he should be like Astro Boy or cute and smiley. And I'm like, well, that's boring. Like, how do you... Astro Boy? Yeah, someone brought it up. Astro Boy. Or did he, did, yeah, they want him to be like handsome and, and smiley. I'm like, well, then where's the arc? Where do you, where's the character grow? How does he learn if he's perfect? <laughs> um, look, I think I think Paul did a wonderful. His vision. No one should worry about what they look like when they're in here as well. Like the idea of being on a track. Like everyone should. Everyone's gawky when they're in here. Like they should. You should just be allowed to be. And I think that's what I really like about about your big fan of is that he's just a kid. He just happens to have certain certain abilities and a destiny behind him. But he's just a kid discovering things like the rest of us. He's still a naughty little boy. Oh, he's a cheeky little thing, isn't he? He does naughty things. Oh, his father's a superhero and he's and he, he's got a superhero outfit. Of yeah. course he's going to be cocky and... We, we do get to be slapped in his place, yeah. basically. Well, metaphorically. Yeah. <laughs> this is a metaphoric... This is a metaphoric statement. This is a metaphoric... He does... We do get to meet one of Paul's heroes in one of the coming up as well, which is... Yeah. Got towards that. Yeah. Sorry. I know. Exciting things ahead. Yes. Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have. No, wait, wait. There's next now. We're going to stay. Just keep going, please. Get off. Please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, please thank Andrew, Paul, and Glenn for joining us today with a huge round of applause. And don't forget to thank you for coming. Catch them on the show. Yeah. Just yeah. over there. there. And you guys can back tomorrow for panels as well. So please yes. come and join us and ask all the questions. Thank you for joining us. Sure, the sole survivor of a shipwreck And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad He said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy Injustice and cruelty And all my sons will follow me So evildoers will believe that this man cannot die The Phantom The ghost who walks The Phantom Enemies beware The Phantom's always there But you won't find the Phantom Find 